Good evening, everyone. It's great to be back here again to continue our little study here on uh, Ali Lone. Uh, as I said, or as you can see on the slide, uh, we're continuing our study in, in the Book of Romans tonight. Uh, last week we started, and this is just a quick look at the uh, Greek word Ali Lone, um, how it's used in the Bible. It's something we're going to look at, and the purpose of that is for the building up of the church, our church family here. So how to love one another is really the title of this series, and I've taken the title of this series from the new command Jesus gave to his disciples on the night he was betrayed in the Upper Room Discourse. And that's what we're going to be concentrating on a little bit. Now, the Holy Spirit inspired the writers of the New Testament. And so there's different uh, uses of the word from the different authors, as you can imagine. Paul, James, John, Peter, and the writer of Hebrews all uh, had it in their writings. So it's best to try to figure out the intent of each uh, case of use of the word so that we can better apply it to our our own lives and our own uh, mission field. So we are here. This is episode two of many, I'm sure. There's, as I said last week, over a hundred uses of the term in the New Testament, and we're going to look at them all. Lord willing, we're going to look at them all. But before we do, I want to begin by... uh, following what Mike did on Sunday, which was to make sure that we don't neglect the invitation for someone to accept Christ who hasn't made that decision yet. So we want to look at, if you want to turn with me real quick, to Acts chapter 16. This is one of my favorite uh, salvation passages. should be well known to, to most of you. It's the account of Paul's journey to Philippi. And he was arrested, and he was thrown in prison after being scourged and beaten. And then, but in the middle of the night, God had a plan. He had a, an earthquake, uh, brought the prison doors open. And the, not only did the doors fly open, but the chains that were on their feet, the stocks, were also opened as well. And the jailer was not a believer. And thinking that all the prisoners had escaped, was about to kill himself when Paul spoke out, saying that all the prisoners were still there. Now, killing himself would have been much preferable to the authorities' judgment on him. He would have been probably crucified also, but he wasn't. In verse 30, we read, and after he brought them, wait a minute, let's move along here. After he, the flipping jailer, brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He had seen the evidence and heard the hymns that uh, Paul and Silas uh, were singing. And so his first reaction when Paul spoke, uh, preventing him from killing himself, was to ask this question, What must I do to be saved? They, Paul and Silas, said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Sounds pretty simple. And it is. 
God has made it simple. And so that was their message to him, very short, very concise, what he needed to do. And if you're asking, well, what, did, what do we need to believe? What exactly do we need to believe? Well, we can find out that because Paul does define the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, where he wrote to the church at Corinth, For I delivered to you as of first importance, meaning that was his highest priority, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Those, that is the gospel, as Paul defines it here. And what you need to believe about Christ. He paid for your sins. He was buried, meaning he did die physically. And that he was raised on the third day. So now, why not make that decision? If you haven't accepted Christ yet, what are you waiting for? Make that decision right now. Make certain your sins, sins are forgiven. And that your internal destiny in Christ is sure. And if you still have any questions about that, Please, uh, we want to know. Come see one of the deacons, uh, myself, Mr. Regal, uh, Justin. Uh, if you have any questions, we'd like to make you be confident in your decision. All right. We want everyone to be saved, to come to a saving knowledge of the truth. This is our prayer for each unbeliever. And so let's uh, continue on. Those of you who have believed in Christ, you may be asking, well, all alone, you know, why this study? Why are we going to do this? Well, you remember that I said last week, whenever a new series begins, people want to know why, why this, why now? And, or is it even because we have a problem? Are we, are we trying to address an immediate problem? Well, that's probably always something we can uh, debate about. But one of the things I wanted to uh, do in this study is point out a few things here, and I did this last week, but I'll, in case you missed last week, we'll go through them real quick. First uh, John 15, 14, if you turn there, and if you've got your Bible, great. If not, I'm just going to hit on these real quick. John 15, 14, Jesus said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Jesus considers believers to be his friends, not slaves, not subjects to be ruled over, but keep in mind, we are his slaves, and I pointed out a couple of verses that say that. And he does sit on David's throne, so he is our king. And he does rule over us, and will rule over us. But ponder the thought that Jesus considers us his friends. 2 Timothy 3.16, another familiar passage. Paul writes to Timothy, All scripture is inspired of God, by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And all alone is a, a word meaning one another, and that's what we want to focus on, how we're going to uh, relate to one another in the church, building up the body of Christ and being a witness to unbelievers. Uh, Ephesians 4, 12 and 13 There we read, for the, this, the purpose of this is for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. 
So unity and the knowledge that comes along with knowing God is something we need to be able to know ourselves, trust in it, and then share with others. And Philippians 1 through 6, this is just a very brief why, answering the question why. Philippians 1, 6, Paul writes, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will, per- will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So God has started something with you once you've accepted Christ, and he's going to bring it to completion one way or another. So the more you study, the more you'll be prepared for what God has planned to bring into your life. All right, and I, last week I also had some, uh, some graphs showing the occurrences. I'm just going to show them. That's the occurrences by book. Romans has the, the most. And then by epistle, again, Romans has the most. I had a chart for uh, referring to the grammatical breakdown of the word alelon in the Greek uh, by gender. It's uh, never, never in the feminine. It's predominantly masculine with a few neuter occurrences. Also, grammatical breakdown by uh, number. It's always a plural, and it's what's termed a reciprocal plural, a reciprocal pronoun, I mean, rather, meaning it always indicates an interchange between two or more parties. So that's why it's a plural, never singular. And then finally, uh, grammatical breakdown by the case, and it's predominantly accusative. Two out of every three occurrences is in the accusative uh, case, which is generally a direct object for the verb preceding it. All right, so let's get on. Uh, Last week I I picked out a verse that I feel is a summary verse, and it's John 15, 12. You can turn there if you want. But John 15, 12. This is Jesus speaking in the Upper Room Discourse. This is my commandment that you love one another. Pretty blunt. You love one another just as I have loved you. And then we want to look at, well, how did Jesus love his disciples? Well, we can read about that. We can read about that in the next verse, John 15, 13, where he says, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. That is love. Loving someone more than you love your own life is as, as high as it goes for us. And that's what Jesus did for us on the cross He paid the penalty for our sins by going to that cross, suffering that humiliation, the torment, and the wrath of God while he loved us enough to do that on our behalf. And this is maybe beyond our ability. As, As human beings, sinful creatures, broken, we're all sinners. How can we love anyone this way? Well, we are enabled, and we read about that in Philippians 4.13 which says that I can do all things through him, Christ, who strengthens me. That's Paul's uh, message to the Philippians as he was in prison suffering for the gospel and for Christ. All right, so we're going to start tonight. Uh, We pick up again in, in Romans chapter 12. Because hopefully I'm going to finish all the uh, remaining occurrences of Alelon in in the book of Romans. And I stumbled across this when I was going through uh, Dr. Tom Constable's notes. 
on Romans, he had this uh, pointed out that uh, Paul has some ethical instructions or injunctions in Romans 12, 9 through 13, and he quotes Robert H. Mounts in his book on Romans. He says, in these five verses are 13 exhortations ranging from love of Christians to hospitality for strangers. There are no finite verbs in the paragraph. There are, however, ten participles that serve as imperatives in the three other clauses, 9, 10, 11 verses, an imperative must be supplied. So we're only going to look at verse 10 because that's uh, the only one that has all alone in it. And it, uh, as a matter of fact, has it twice in verse 10. So let's look at verse 10. Romans 12, 10. And as I said last time, we're going to be going through these one at a time. And I'm always going to try, to the best of my ability, to translate alone as one another in the English. All right, so the two occurrences here, masculine accusative, referring to something is given or for whom something is done. And here we read, in brotherly love to one another, be tenderly loving. In honor to one another, be the first. Now, I looked at the uh, New, Internet, or, uh, New American Standard, and they use the word devoted in verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And I don't think when we think of devotion and de- being devoted, it doesn't convey the sense of love. But if you look at the Greek, it, uh, the word philostorgoi, I hope I got that right, philostorgoi, uh, begins with philos, which is the Greek, one of the Greek words for love. And so I wanted to translate it tenderly loving because it has a, familiar, a family type of sense to it. You're, you're honoring them in a family sense, similar to Philadelphia. But these are, those are not uh, verbs. Those are uh, Philadelphia is a noun. As you know, it's the name of the city of Pennsylvania. But this is it. Brotherly love, in brotherly love to one another, be tenderly loving. As, as a church, that's what we need to strive for. And then in honor to one another, we want to honor each other. We need to be the first. Don't wait for someone else or don't wait for them to love you. Go ahead, be the first to love that other person, that other person in our, in our congregation. And that verb, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a participle, as I, you know, we pointed out at the beginning, 10 participles in this section of Romans. But uh, it, it means to be the first in something, to do something exceedingly, or do with eagerness. And I think we should all be doing that for one another. That's, that's the purpose of, uh, of, of why we want to honor one another. And we want to do that as a church to, to be better at, at serving our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our next uh, occurrence is in verse 16 of chapter 12. I'll read the uh, New American Standard says, Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. And that's, that's the Greek there. Uh, I, I translated that word 
pronuntes as thinking. It is a participle, but thinking rather than being of the same mind. I think that, for me, that conveys more of a verbal punch to it, that you're thinking towards one another to be the same. Meaning, don't be haughty, don't be thinking you're better than someone else, or that you're worse than someone else. We're all one in Christ. I think, uh, I'm not sure where that is, I believe it's Galatians, but uh, that's what we are. We're all in the body of Christ, and we're all one. Uh, So there's no uh, caste system in, in the body of Christ. And then he adds at the bottom, the, the last line there, do not be wise in your own estimation. Now, earlier in, in, the, in chapter 12, uh, Paul does uh, warn us against doing that. He's, and I'm trying to find it here. Verse 3, for, though, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God allotted to each a measure of faith. So Paul is just restating re, uh, uh, what he's already gone over about not thinking, not be arrogant or thinking more highly of yourself uh, than you ought to think. Romans twelve sixteen. Our next occurrence, and I'm going to group these at the end. We'll go over them and and get some application at the end. Chapter 13, verse 8, where we read in the New American Standard, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. There it is in the Greek. And my translation also. Uh, the word translated O in the Greek is hafaleta. It means to owe, be indebted to, have to pay, and it's a present active imperative. See, this is, is an imperative. This is a command. It's not a, a participle uh, like in the chapter 12 we saw, but this is an imperative. Owe no one nothing. And in English that doesn't sound good. It's a double negative, which they use commonly in the Greek, but in English it's, it's like negates each other, but here that's what it's saying. No one, nothing. Except, except to one another love. See, love transcends all these other things you may have in your life going on. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. And so that's what we want to do. We want to love, be continuously loving one another. I think that's pretty pretty clear. Uh, Don't get distracted. Don't uh, let other obligations interfere with your relationships with other believers. You know, stay focused. Keep them as a priority. All right. Our next occurrence, Romans chapter 14 and verse 13, we read, therefore, let us not judge one another anymore but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. Great advice. My translation, therefore, no longer let us judge one another, which takes the first word, meketi, has a time element. No longer let us judge one another, but rather this judge, to not put a stumbling block in a brother's way. 
So the word judge, krinomen, it's a present active subjunctive, which means it's not certain you're going to do it or not. You may do it. You may not, you may not judge anymore, but you may. That's the aspect of the subjunctive in the Greek. The second, the second occurrence, krinate, is an aorist active imperative, second person plural. We are to judge in a completed action that we don't put, have not put a stumbling block in, in front of our, our brother. So in the first one, don't, you know, it's a, it's a present active. We're always supposed to be making sure that we're not judging one another, continuous action. But the second, it's, it's an aorist tense, and it's a completed action that we make sure that we have not put a stumbling block in a brother's way. That is loving one another. I hope that's clear, and if anyone has questions on that, please see me afterwards. I'd uh, love to, to, uh, to discuss that with us, with us all. But uh, sometimes that's hard to do. It's hard not to judge. And sometimes we have to restrain ourselves from passing judgment on one another. Uh, obviously, there's times when it's, when it's proper and we're going to get to other cases uh, of all alone where that is, uh, where that is true. But judging one another is not, should not be the, the constant, continuous action that we're doing every time we're together. We shouldn't be judging one another. But we should make sure that we have not put a stumbling block in someone's path. Okay, moving on. Romans fourteen nineteen. Again, here we read. So then, we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. That's how Paul says it. And so then, the things of peace we pursue and the things building up for one another. And that's pursue is the Greek the okumen, and that's also a subjunctive. So we're pursuing something, first person, Paul says he's pursuing, or, or his group, we, first person plural, pursue, chase, after, press on. That's what we want to do. We want to pursue and press on after the things which are going to build up one another. We don't want to... Uh, To continue not just just showing up. We want to pursue what's going to be beneficial to each of us who come here. We want to encourage one another. We want to uh, comfort one another. We want to build up one another. That's, that's the command here, to build up one another. Okay. Next, we can turn to Romans 15, 5. And there, there we read, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. May the God of perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind in one another according to Christ, Christ Jesus. Now, the word translated grant, like I highlighted in the blue, doe is an aorist active in the optative mood. I see Mike made a face. 
it's, a, it's rare. The optative is, and it's used to express in the Greek a wish or a desire or a possibility. So that's his wish, that God will grant them to be of the same mind. Because it may not happen. You know, it, it just, we are broken, sinful creatures. We have our own ideas, thoughts, lust patterns, sin patterns, backgrounds, and plans, goals for our lives, but guess what? Sometimes God can overrule that and grant you to be of the same mind in one another according to Christ Jesus. There's the key, according to Christ. That's the pattern that we should be following. Uh, again, that's, that's a, a wish of Paul for his, uh, the readers, for the church at Rome. Again, the lexical form is didomi, to give but uh, in the optative, it's, we translate it grant because it may not happen. It's a desire. It's a wish. And that's what Paul wishes for them, and I'm sure he wishes for us too. We all want to be unified in mind and doing the work of Christ. We all want to do things that are pleasing to God. It doesn't always happen. Why is that? Well, that's something we have to look inside for. Why are we not obeying God? Why are we not trusting him when we should? That's, that's the key to life, pleasing God. All right, 15.7. Therefore, and Paul writes this, therefore accept one another. How about that? Accept one another. Just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Now, I translated that also accepted you because that's the uh, Greek, humas, uh, there in the verse. But think about that. Accept one another. How hard is that? Sometimes it can be very hard. Sometimes it's not. But God in Christ Jesus has accepted us. He doesn't turn us away. He doesn't turn anybody away. And neither should we. And for a church to grow and be uh, Christ-like, that's how we have to act and respond when we have opportunity, when we have new people, which we do. We're getting new people all the time. We need to be loving. We need to be accepting of them as they come through these doors because obviously they're here to hear the words of life. We need to give it to them. We need to share that with them and then accept them uh, as trusting Christ. We can do that. We are able to. Again, this is a uh, present middle imperative to accept one another because you do get a benefit from accepting another believer in Christ. And so we should be doing that. That's a command again in Romans fifteen seven. Romans fifteen fourteen. Here we read, and concerning you in the, in the New American Standard, and concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. <coughs> admonish. That's a tough one. But the Greek word is explicit. Nuthetain. Meaning to admonish, warn, instruct, rebuke. It's an infinitive there in the blue at the end. Uh, the last word. I should have highlighted that one in blue. Uh, 
but it's uh, admonish. That, that can be a challenge. It can make us uncomfortable to call somebody out when they're uh, in a pattern of sin or have committed a sin. But we need to do that. We're commanded to do that. It's just uh, part of loving one another is pointing out when they're erring and departing and straying from, from Christ. That first word, papesomai, uh, singular, it's a, it's a word that means convinced to persuade or depend upon. So Paul was convinced that the church of Rome was uh, on the right path, that they were uh, full of goodness, knowledge, able to admonish. And that's another thing. We have to be sufficiently mature in the word if we're going to admonish someone for something that they, they're not doing properly or, or doing something that's wrong or sinful. Uh, that doesn't relieve us of our responsibility, though. We still have a responsibility to call people out when they've strayed from what the Bible teaches. Okay, so again, to admonish one another. You know, for the unbelievers, God will deal with them. But we're called as, as a church, as, as the body of Christ, to admonish one another in the body as, as we become aware and as we're uh, able. All right, next we have... And this is the last one in Romans 6, is Romans, the last occurrence of Allah alone in, in Romans chapter 16. That's the, uh, the last uh, chapter. Romans 16, 16, we read, Greet one another with a holy kiss. They greet you, all the churches of Christ. And so that word translated greet, aspasasta, aorist middle imperative, second person plural, means to greet, welcome, be happy about. And let's just be certain that we know that, it's, uh, that it is in the aorist tense. It's not in the present tense, so we're not supposed to be kissing continuously. It's, uh, it's supposed to be a, like a one-shot greeting, not, not a continuous action. <laughs> just want to make that clear. <laughs> all right, so that is all the remaining uh, uses of, of, the, of the Greek word alone in, in the New in the book of Romans. Uh, but think about this. We're supposed to, to greet one another and be happy when we see him. You know, we're not supposed to shy away or turn away, turn our back on people that we may not be uh, so keen on. Uh, you know, it, it, it has to do with loving each and every one. And that's hard sometimes. Sometimes that can be difficult. You may not be in the mood to, or be happy, but that's not, you should be happy. And I think that's what Paul's trying to say here is that we should be happy when we, I know I am, to come here and to see you all, it, it encourages me, it comforts me, it makes me happy to be here with you all and be, being up here, maybe not so much, but uh, that's Pastor Dave's job. But uh, we should be happy when we, when we are together because we have an eternal destiny that is going to be so spectacular beyond our wildest dreams. And so by greeting one another, we should be conveying that. 
each and every time. And if, if I'm not doing it, call me out on it, admonish me for that. <laughs> I, I would be grateful for, for your uh, instructions in doing that. When I fail, and I hope that if, if I mention something to you, that you'll take it in love as it's intended. And that's the purpose of this lesson and this study, is to draw us together closer and closer, bonding together with one another in love, and so demonstrating the love that Christ has for us. All right, so that's the last individual. Now I want to talk more about what are some of the lessons that we've learned already for, 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 for us that we can apply and, and maybe get a better understanding or perspective on how we should be treating one another. So first of all, and this comes from Romans 12.10, love one another and be the first. Don't, don't wait, as I said earlier, don't wait for, for that other person to love you first before you do anything. No, go ahead, be the first to do so, love them, and don't expect them to always be uh, turned around. And, and it, they probably will, but that, you can't expect that. Anyway, love one another and be the first to do so. And in verse 16 we saw of chapter 12, consider one another to be your equal. As I said earlier, you know, there's no uh, hierarchy in the body of Christ. Yes, we do have different gifts. We do have different talents, as um, uh, the Bible points out. But we are all one together. As uh, Paul wrote, there's neither male nor female, slave or free, or Greek or barbarian. We're all one in Christ. So consider everyone that way. Nobody's better than you. Nobody's lower than you. And I think that will help us when we go to love one another. We think and consider ourselves to be all on equal footing. Consider one another to be your equal. Any thoughts or feelings of superiority are totally inappropriate. All right. Oh, yeah, one thing I wanted to say about uh, number one there, love one another, be the first. Don't wait, but also don't hold back. Love them as much as you want, as much as you're able. That's, that's the other thing I wanted to throw in there. Don't hold back your love. Number three, we have an obligation to one another. Jesus commanded us to love one another, and then he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's John 13, 34, and John 14, 15. So if Jesus wants to, commands us to love one another, and then he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, well, you are obligated to love one another. So think of it not as an obligation, but as more of a, uh, a thanking that God has allowed us to be participating in his plan and he loves that other person, so we should love that other person. Pretty simple. Love is what uh, Christ has commanded us. And so we want to keep his commandments to prove and demonstrate our love to him. Number four. Do not judge one another. That was from Romans 14, 13. 
But not only that, don't do anything to, to make your brother stumble. Don't put anything in his path that's going to make him trip up. That's another thing if, about judging that we don't want to be guilty of before God. And that's hard, like I said, that to judge one another. Uh, we don't have the omniscience of God. We don't know all the facts all the time. And so don't be uh, jumping the gun. Uh, there's many examples in the Bible of people who uh, judge one another prematurely. And so don't make that error. Stick to just loving them and, and being there and supportive for them. Lesson number five. And this is from Romans fourteen nineteen. Seek to do that which builds others up. We are selfish creatures by nature. We are sinful, broken people who want what we want. We have a will, we have a desires, and that usually involves what's best for us. But if you are in any kind of relationship with someone else, and we all are, we have parents, you may have children, spouses, uh, you can't always do what you want to do. And unfortunately, uh, it's a rude awakening many times, but if you're seeking what's best for the other person, and I think Pastor Davis said this many times, that is a biblical def definition of love, doing what's best for the other person, not necessarily for yourself. And if you seek to do that, which builds up uh, the other person, generally you're going to have a reciprocating effect that it will build you up at the same time. And then they can build you up. You can again build them up more and more and more. It reminds me of the hymn Higher Ground where the person uh, in, the, in the subject of the hymn is always seeking more to get higher and higher and is not content to have plateaued their spiritual life but is seeking to continue an upward trend closer to God. And that should be our, our, our uh, attitude, not just for ourselves, but for each other. So seek to do that which builds others up. Romans 14, 19. All right, now, ready? We've got some more lessons to learn. More lessons for us. And number six, be like-minded with one another. That's Romans 15, 5. This is in a context of persevering and encouraging. You know, if, if you read the, uh, the, the, get the context of that particular verse, and it's something we need to pray for. We're not necessarily going to just automatically be like-minded. Pray for that, that God will give us and grant us that, to be like-minded, and uh, that way we can strive together. We can endure together. And that's the key in, in, in any family, we want to share the load, share the burdens, share the turmoil. So, be like-minded with one another. Number seven, be forgiving and accepting of one another. That's Romans fifteen seven, And it's not always easy to be forgiving and to be accepting, but that's what we're commanded to do. We can sometimes really hurt others by what we say or by what we do, and, we, and I'm sure we have. But we are always to imitate Christ. What, what did Jesus do? He gave himself for us. And that's the attitude we need to have for each other. Number eight, 
admonish one another when necessary. And I, you know, I emphasize when necessary. We're not to go around bossing each other and, and overruling or trying to run someone else's life. But as we become aware of, the, of issues that need addressing, we need to admonish one another in a loving and kind manner. And love has to always be in the mix. Otherwise, uh, your, your, your counsel, your admonishing will not be received as you intended. That's Romans fifteen fourteen, and, uh, and, and it requires a level of maturity and sensitivity. It also requires privacy. This is not something you broadcast to the whole congregation necessarily, but uh, privacy is important, and it's the loving thing to do. I think that's the key. It's the loving thing to do to admonish someone when they've strayed from the, uh, what the Bible teaches. And finally, number nine, be happy when you see one another. That's a good one. Be happy. So reach out. I mean, uh, like I said before, we, we're getting a lot of new people in here. They don't know us. Reach out to them. They're, very few people are going to come in here and, and introduce themselves to everybody. Let's take the initiative and be more uh, proactive, I guess is the word, in, in dealing with, with visitors and with each other. I mean, I know it's hard sometimes. You have 30 minutes or less to uh, go downstairs for a fellowship hour or a half hour, whatever it is, and that's not enough time to deal with or to meet and greet each and every one, but do the best you can, you know? Reach out, and, uh, you know, we live in a time and a world that's corrupt, decaying, full of lawlessness, and with people who have no hope. So outside of this, you need to definitely be uh, sharing with the love of God with them, but we can also do that within the body here at, at Preston City Bible Church, to, to show the love of God for one another because it's a treasure. It's, it really is a treasure to have a group of people who, who care about you and love you. And uh, just think about how horrible it would be if there were no other believers in your life. Just think about that for a second. And, and for some Christians, that is a reality. But for us here, we have the, an opportunity uh, to enjoy fellowship and to... Uh, sharpen one another in the Word and in, in our lives, and just to enjoy fellowship with one another. So please take advantage of that as you have opportunity, and there's always opportunity. There's always is. There always is. Okay. So that concludes tonight's lesson on uh, all alone in the in the Book of Romans. Next time we're going to get to. Uh, continue. It's going to be episode three. I hope you uh, come next week to, to hear that. I look forward to moving on to Corinthians, Galatians, and other books. Maybe we'll get out of Paul eventually, but uh, it's, uh, it's a great study because one another, that's you, that's me, that's us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again as we are searching your words, searching the scriptures daily to understand your plan for us, to understand who you are and, and the love you have for us. Father, we are just unbelievably uh, in awe of all that you do for us 
in all that you provide for us. We have been uh, given eternal life through our faith in Christ that you, from eternity past, had the plan to redeem us as sinful creatures broken uh, since the Garden of Eden. And, and Father, we are just uh, so thankful. And Father, help us to remember these things. Help us to love one another, to consider one another as we uh, meet and, and fellowship with one another, spurring each other on uh, to love and good works that you have provided in advance that we would walk in them. Help us to remember that. And then beyond this fellowship, help us to go out and make disciples, to be on mission in a world that is desperately in need of salvation. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.